There's a great quote that I love from uh, Ramana Maharshi. Uh, Ramana Maharshi was a great uh, Indian sage in the Advaita Vedanta tradition. So Ramana, when he was 16, he was terrified that he was going to die. So he laid down on the floor and he said, okay, let me just see what it's going to be like then. And he just stiffened up and, and for half an hour he just withdrew and withdrew and withdrew until he recognized the self that, that's there before death. And he was overcome with a desire to go to a holy mountain that was some ways away from his village. <clears throat> so supposedly he stole money from his brother. It was supposedly his last karmic, negative karmic act. But he did send the money back later. And he took just enough money to take the bus ticket. And then he got there and he just sat for a few years in silence. And people started to come around and go, ooh, look at this kid, he just sits here. Um, and he was sitting in a cave for a while, and then the rats were eating his legs, but he wouldn't move because he was just in such a deep samadhi, he didn't care. So then they started moving him around. Um, some of his disciples would move him from one place to the next. And eventually, he built a, an ashram on this mountain. And he never left from the time he was 60 until he died. He just was there. Um, and his teachings are amazing. But he has this great quote where he's, one of his disciples says, when I'm doing my practice, I fall into this state that's like sleep. And I keep waking myself up to continue the practice. Right? And he said, because you're identified with the waking state, you think that that sleep but not sleep state is an interruption to your practice. Eventually you realize that that state is your natural state, and that is your practice. And you'll just allow yourself to be in that. So I would just suggest when you fall asleep, just let it happen. Look, what's, gonna ha what's the worst thing that can happen? You'll actually fall asleep and you'll start snoring. That has happened. But someone will wake you up. And, and it's not that bad. <clears throat> but maybe something else will happen that's amazing. Okay, so it always comes up, so I guess I shouldn't be surprised. Sleep is a thing. Um, <clears throat> I was a terrible sleeper. So I lived in a spiritual community doing spiritual practice for about... Well, I lived there for 20 years. And... I was a bad sleeper in meditation. So no matter what would happen, for, at one point, no matter what would happen, as soon as I sat down and knew I was meditating, I'd start falling asleep. It could be like six in the morning. It didn't matter. Time of day didn't matter. How tired I was didn't matter. As soon as I got into meditation, I'd start to fall asleep every single time. And I knew, sometimes I would think to myself, I know if I was watching a movie, I'd be fine. But for some reason, because I think I'm meditating, I'm falling asleep. So... There were four of us that were particularly chronic sleepers. Um, we would meditate an extra hour in the morning because everyone meditated together from like 7 to 9, and then we would meditate an extra hour from 6 to 7. Thank you. And, and the four of us would just met, we would like sit like this, and then the idea was if someone fell asleep, you'd slap them on the knee. You know? So we meditated with eyes open. It wasn't really meditating. We were just like policing each other's sleeping. Um, 
And, and then what would happen, of course, was like the whole meditation, it just sounded like popcorn because we were always sleeping. But eventually, we did this for six months. And eventually, after like four months, we could sit there, the four of us, without sleeping because it was embarrassing to get getting slapped. And, but when you were in the regular meditation with everybody else and nobody was going to slap you and everyone had their eyes closed, you went right back to sleep again. So, so that didn't help. And I was really getting frustrated with my sleepy problem. Um, and so I, at some point I did a, a long retreat. It was a, ended up being a two-month-long retreat. And the one thing I vowed to myself when I went in was that I was not going to fall asleep. And I'm a scientist. I was trained as an engineer, so I have a certain technical mind. So I said, okay, I'm not going to fall asleep. But I knew, like, I can't leave it that vague. I have to be very specific. So what does that mean? It means I will not nod. I was going to define sleeping as nodding, and I was not going to nod. So we started meditating every day at 4 in the morning. And then the last meditation was 9 to 10 at night. And that was always the terrible one, right? And so I would be afraid all day for the 9 to 10. Because then 9 to 10 would come, and uh, you'd be tired, because you've been up since before 4 o'clock. Um, and, but I was not going to fall asleep. You know, because I had made this vow and I was not going to do it. How many of you have been really tired in meditation and tried to stay awake? Isn't it like a particular kind of hell, right? It's it's a particular torture that you put yourself through, because what happens? Your eyes get that burning, watery, horrible feeling, and then your your mind gets like headachey and almost throbbing, because basically your body's going, go to sleep, dummy. Hey, it's trying to make you uncomfortable so you'll actually go to sleep. But I was forcing myself, and then your muscles start to ache, and then they get that weird electrical feeling that goes up and down your nerves. And so you're just sitting there in this horrendous state where your eyes are burning, your head is mushy, there's electricity going, you're, you're achy. But I was, I was biting my tongue, because I said I could do, you know, the rules were I could do anything I wanted as long as I didn't nod. So I would bite my tongue, which kind of worked for a little while, and I was forcing myself to stay awake. And then while I was doing this, it was this one particularly torturous evening. And a thought went through my head, and it said, you're not actually tired. And I realized it was completely true, that I wasn't tired at all, that I was perfectly awake to a tired body. But I was completely awake. I, I was absolutely vividly aware of every symptom of being tired. There was nothing unawake at all about me. The, the, just the body itself was sleepy. And so from then on, it was like, whoa, this is amazing. Then I was just sitting in there. and like the All the symptoms kept going, but I was just completely mesmerized and amazed by how I had been so identified with all that as me. And suddenly now, it had nothing to do with me. It was just, this might, have been, it might as well have been your body. It was just a body having all these symptoms, and I just happened to be seeing them from the inside out. And, <clears throat> and then the meditation ended, and I went to sleep that night, and I laid down. And as I was relaxing, I felt this tingling on my toes. It distinctly started on my toes, and then it went... Mm, 
And it kind of overtook my whole body, and I was just stuck. And I realized I had fallen asleep. And I thought, wow, I totally just fell asleep, and I'm still awake. And then, you know, your breathing starts to go... Because it's not really in your control anymore. And I was just in bed. And then gradually I started to like lose sense of my body in bed. And there was just this, I don't know how to describe it, it was just sort of blackness, but this awareness. And I thought, oh my God, I'm in like deep sleep and I'm still here. And I was, I was really excited about it. I was like, this is amazing, I'm still here. And then all of a sudden this was this boom, this explosion of a gas station. So suddenly I was in a gas station and there were all these people trying to pull me apart and they were chanting, you have to die. And I was going, and I realized, oh my God, I'm dreaming. This is amazing. I'm dreaming and I'm still here. Like nothing's changed. I went from awake to falling asleep to deep sleep to dream. And then the dream went away and then I was back in the deep sleep and I was still going, oh my God, this is so cool. And then it went back and forth through dreams. And then in the morning, the alarm went off on the phone. And then my body kind of jerked around, you know, because, and, and then it woke up. And then I was back in it. I was like, oh my God, I have control again. How did that happen? And I realized that when you wake up in the morning, it's like your body is hearing the alarm, not, not you. You know, your body gets disturbed and then it wakes up. And then I was like, oh my God, now I, I got this back again, the control. And then the whole day, I was kind of like in my body, but not really. I was just sort of floating through it. And I was, I would be like eating and going, oh my God, how do I, this is amazing. Like, where does that go? (laughs) And I was like looking at the plate and going, this is going, where does does it end up? Um, For those of you who are old enough, the talking heads, David Byrne used to sing and say, in, in, on stage, he'd go like this and say, how do I do this? That was exactly what I was, everything I was doing, I was thinking, how do I do this? How does this happen? And then, and then we'd do meditation, so then you know, it'd be like this big joke. Meditation time, I'd go in the hall, sit on my cushion, someone would ring the bell, bing, and I would just still be there, going, okay, joke, now I'm meditating. And then the bell would ring again, ding, Joke, now I can get up and pretend I'm not meditating. Like, what's the difference? It's just all consciousness straight through, you know, from beginning to end. Um, And it happened the next night and then the third night. As I was going to sleep the third night, I was starting to freak out because I I hadn't lost consciousness. I hadn't, like, disappeared in, you know, two and a half days. And it started to occur to me that this might not be a good thing that I might actually be going crazy or doing damage to myself psychologically. But it was a silent retreat, so we couldn't talk to anybody. Uh, But I said, well, if this continues, tomorrow I'm going to write a note, and I'm going to say, I think I need to see somebody because I've got a problem. Uh, So I went to sleep. But then what happened is that night I went to sleep, and I just actually went the old-fashioned way, where you close your eyes, and then you open them, and it's morning, and you don't know what happened. And, I, and then I was like, oh, damn, I wish I could get that back. I, since I know it's not going to hurt me now, um, <clears throat> it's never come back. But what I realized during that time, very vividly, 
is that that consciousness that's awake through the whole day and then through the dream states and then through the deep sleep and is just aware of it all was there before this body appeared. And it will be there when this body drops. So then I realized, oh, when the Buddha said, you know, the deathless, he really meant it. This is, this is what, you know, they say these things and you think, oh, I wonder what they mean by that. Oh, they actually mean it. The consciousness that you are was never born and, and, it, and it will never die. It's, it's, it has nothing to do, the, the body comes and goes, but the, that which is aware was there before and it will be there after. And so, in some very interesting way, I stopped having any fear about dying. And it wasn't like I had a particularly big fear before, but you know, you have this kind of thought, oh, I'd rather not. Um, but it kind of just went away. And there was just this, it was just replaced with, I don't know, it wasn't replaced with anything. It just was, was not there. So, I just, I just, when I teach, because a lot of people teach meditation and they really want you to stay awake, right? And they tell you, stay awake. Whatever you do, stay awake. My teacher used to do that. Stay awake. That's why I was, they were slapping each other. And, uh, but I want to be really loose with it. And it's tricky because, you know, also you could all just snuggle up with a pillow and that wouldn't really be what I was talking about either. But I don't want you to be too rigid about falling asleep because you don't really know what's happening. It's more important that you pay attention to whatever's happening. And if what's happening is sleepiness, pay attention to that and just see what it's, what it's like. So I said at the beginning of this evening that what we were going to be speaking about is something that you cannot do through an act of will, right? <clears throat> I said it, it's a, it's a, ultimately it's a matter of grace. What we're really talking about is a shift in identity, as we've been saying, from the small self to something else, right? That's not something you can do because you are the identity that, you are, that you're going to shift out of. There's no way. It's literally like the picking yourself up by your bootstraps, which is such a great metaphor, right? You stand here and then you grab your bootstraps and you go like that. It, it won't work, right? Because no, there's no outside reference point to make that happen. So you can't, you can't do it. But it can happen if you're resting in a place that's very loose, where you're not holding on so tightly, you're available for a, th a weird thought like, I'm not actually tired, to be enough to knock you out. So what's interesting about that is when that thought went through, I'm not actually tired, the I that that thought was referring to was the true self. That was a recognition of the true self that it was not the small self that thought it was tired, right? And there was enough availability in me in the context of being on retreat that, that just that little bit of opening allowed the awareness to snap into a different place. So in traditional terms in the way that Ramana would teach, you know, and I'm sure many of you know this, um, there's four states of consciousness. There's waking consciousness, dreaming consciousness, deep sleep, and turiya. And turiya just means fourth. 
So that consciousness, which is aware through all the others, is Turiya. It's, it's Turiya that's aware through the waking state, and it's Turiya that's aware through the dream state, and it's Turiya that is still there even in deep sleep when, when the small self isn't aware at all. And the way Ramana teaches, taught, and the way that I continue to teach, all you can do as a small self is find a way to rest free of reactivity to your mind. That's all you can do is liberate yourself from clutching to the mind. There's nothing else you can do through an act of will. But if you rest in that place, then you're available for grace to take you and, and to shift into this bigger consciousness. Now, the, the important thing about the Turiya state is the Turiya state is not the waking state, it's not the dreaming state, and it's not the deep sleep state. It's something that shines through all of those, but is different from those. And how it occurs that you might slip into such a deep state, no, I don't have any idea how that happens. But the theory is that if you keep yourself free of the, and you learn how to be free of the clutching, and you're just kind of free floating a bit inside, then you're available, right? And I like to think, I like to personify things. So I like to think that, you know, God, goddess, or divinity is watching. See, the, the problem is, on this planet, if you were the, the god of this planet, you'd be looking around going, anybody available? Nope, they're all busy. Busy, 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 busy. They're busy with their projects. They're busy working, they're busy making money, they're busy doing this. They're very, very busy, and there's nobody available for me. And, and though, there's a whole group of spiritual ones. Oh, but they're very busy with their spiritual practice. Busy, busy, busy doing their practice. And they're so busy, they're not available for me. But eventually, if you learn how to be loose, just a little, I think, you know, you, you just a little loose helps. Uh, suddenly you come online, like, oh, look, there's one not totally busy. Let's, let's, you know, there's one. I can get through that one because they're not completely wrapped up in whatever it is they're doing. So this is what we're practicing in meditation, is we're just learning how to be available for grace. Because grace, as we talked about earlier, is everywhere. It's abounding. It's, it's ever-present, always ready and available if we're available for it. But we're often not available for it because we're busy and, we're, and our attention is distracted by all the things that we're busy with. <clears throat> and so what we want to practice over the course of these, this time we have together is really just being available for grace so that... <clears throat> like sitting on the edge of the dance, you know, and you're just waiting. But you're available to dance. You know, you, you don't look like someone who's not going to dance. You're not going like this. You're just waiting. And then someone will come. Okay, you want to dance? And then you say, okay, I do. And then you go. And you see what happens then. Then everything, life becomes different. Because you've been taken now. And something else is, <clears throat> you're dancing with something else besides this. There's a whole bigger dance now that can take place. <clears throat> 